I want to talk to you all about playing with purpose. Everybody say playing with purpose. We'll be walking through a story today. We've been going through the judges and this particular judge, Samson, had an amazing calling and destiny that God desired for him to fulfill. But like many of us, he was in a place where he was more concerned with playing than he was with purpose. Have you ever been in a room where it was very dark and for a while it was very hard to see which direction to go? At first it's extremely uncomfortable, but then something shifts. When you move to a dark place, some of you all may remember this from biology, but you have a dark place in your eye that's called the pupil. And when you enter a dark room, your pupil actually begins to expand and enlarge. What your pupil is doing at that point is it's extracting light from the different areas in this dark space. What happens is our eyes are beginning to adjust to the dark. I think this is apropos because many of us, if we're honest, we have adjusted to the dark. I've got a question for you this morning. Have you become comfortable in environments that should make you cringe? Have you become comfortable with conversation that should be creating conviction? I've got a question for the, you this morning. Have you adjusted to the dark? If so, we could be playing with purpose because it is this comfort and complacency with sin that impacts our level of success. I want to give these to you. Please get them in your notes. On our path to purpose, we have three major problems. Everybody say the pride of life. The pride of life is the extreme desire for power, popularity, position, and or profit that produces narcissistic superiority. If you don't struggle with the pride of life, maybe this one will hit you. It's the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes is an intense craving triggered by something visible, appealing, that produces covetousness, jealousy, an ungodly desire. If you don't struggle with the lust of the eyes or the pride of life, maybe this will hit home, the lust of the flesh. It is an intense longing to fulfill unhealthy physical desires that lead to addiction 
and other dangerous lifestyle habits. The, the lust of the flesh is what causes us to want to be comfortable. It's the lust of the flesh that causes us to push away pain in an effort and desire to stay complacent and comfortable. The lust of the flesh is what Samson struggled with. First John 2.16 says it like this, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the father, but is from the world. Family, we'll see that the lust of the flesh is what causes Israel's judge Samson to play with God's purpose. If I'm analyzing the text correctly, it actually seems that before Samson was even born, God had established a plan for the fulfillment of Samson's purpose. It says in Judges 13, 2 through 6, in those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in a town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat of any other forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and his hair must never be cut. I don't have time to preach on this, but I want to parenthetically pause and say, isn't it interesting that God gives the vision for this child to the parents? All the parents need to lean in because the vision for our children actually begins with us. It is actually our connection with God that will help us point our children on God's path for their purpose. God downloads divine vision into this mother. It says, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. What will he do? Begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. This reminds me from Jer uh, Jeremiah 1.5 that says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Samson, before he ever was given birth, God had already begun to deal with Samson. He had already begun to speak over Samson's life. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I know that this verse is referring to Jeremiah, but I think it has contemporary application because before God formed you in your mother's womb, he had a plan for you. Before God, even before you were born, God had spoken about your plan and your purpose. Before your dad ever got the digits, before your dad ever DM'd your mom, God already had a plan for your purpose. How else can we explain growing around other siblings? And some of our siblings are even in the streets as we speak, yet we're in a house of worship, giving God glory and praise. How else can we explain? We were the first ones to graduate with a degree 
agree in, in our entire family. How else can we explain we've been passionately in love with our spouses for 15 and 20 years, yet nobody else in our family has been able to be married without enduring a divorce? I hope you understand that that was God's plan and purpose over your life. I hope you see that God's protection was covering you before you even knew his name. I hope you have not been calling it luck. I hope you have not disrespected God by saying you pulled yourself up by your own bootstrap because before you were even born, God was protecting you. We see early on that for fulfillment of Samson's calling would be contingent on Samson's consistency. Don't miss verse five, it's key and critical. You will begin, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son and his hair must never be cut. He was a Nazarite. Nazarites were to never drink wine. Nazarites were never to be in close proximity to anything dead. It was said that if you were a Nazarite, you could not even attend your family's funeral because you could not be in close proximity to anything that was dead because death represented sin. No razor could touch a Nazarite's head. And it says his hair must never be cut. This is why I love studying scripture because no matter how many times you read it, new things, new principles begin to jump out that give you God's insight on how you can accomplish his plan and purpose. And when I was reading this, I told Pastor Reagan that two minutes before I sent him my message, this word popped out at me and it was the word never. Everybody say never. People think that purpose comes from a commitment. That's not true. Purpose comes from consistency. It says, Samson, there is something that you should never do. It didn't say you are not to cut your hair. That's commitment. It says, Samson, no matter how you feel, you should never cut your hair. I know we, we feel and it's true that God is a God of grace. I know that we've been taught and it's accurate teaching that God is a God of second, third, and fourth chances. I know that we believe that God is a God of mercy and he is, but he is also a God of you bet not. He, he, he's a God, not, not better, but, but bet. I, I know some of us had some grandmas and some aunties. When she said you bet not, that was a rule that you never touched. That was a rule you never broke. I know that we believe that God is a God of grace, but he is also a God of you bet not. He said, don't you ever think about putting a razor to your head. I don't care what the fad is. I don't care what you see people in the streets doing. I don't care about what your friends have going on. Everybody in your clicker crew could get a bald head, but Samson, you better never. 
Don't get it twisted. There's some things you may see your friends doing. There may be some things you see your family doing. There may even be some stuff you see folk on your pew doing, but you know good and well that is not for you. Some of us play with God's purpose when we're looking around as a verse, as, uh, as opposed to looking at what's in us. God says, I have got a plan for you and there's some stuff you can't do. It wasn't not. Don't miss it. It was never. We need to be praying about what's on God's never list. We need to be praying, God, who should I never date? God, we need to be praying, who should never come in my circle? God, what, what, what should I never do? God, what should I never look at? God, what should I never listen to? God, where should I never go? We need to be praying that God gives us his vision for our life because here's the thing. It's the boundaries that bring the blessing. It's the never that begin to reveal God's purpose for your life. We, we think it's the commitment, family. It's easy to commit, but it's hard to stay consistent. The, those of us who've been on a diet, that's, I'm not going to eat that again. Those of us who've experienced a lifestyle change don't say not, we say Never. It's too many Christian dieters. It's too many of us who are using the word not when we should be using the word never. It's time for us to level up, not just our commitment, but our consistence. It's time for us to really figure out, God, where are my boundaries? God, what am I not going to do? God, who am I not going to talk to? God, who am I not going to follow on social media? It's not just about the not, but we got to lean into the never. That's what Matthew 16, 24 is about. I love it. Matthew 16, 24 says, and it's so clear. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up. Everybody say give up your own way. And then he says, take up. Everybody say take up your cross and follow me. He's saying that, that it begins with the commitment. That's the give up. But then if you really want to complete your calling, you got to lean into the take up. That's the consistency. Sometimes it's easy for us to start something. It's easy for us to make the commitment. But here's the thing. He says it begins with you denying yourself. But don't you put it down when you feel as if you're struggling. Don't you put it down when you feel as if the sacrifice is causing some suffering because that's when most of us drop the consistence from the commitment. We, we'll pick it up for a moment, but when the cross gets too heavy, we'll pick it up for the moment, but when we start to get too tired, we'll pick it up for the moment, but then somebody will make us angry. We'll pick it up for the moment, but then we're too tired in the morning. We'll pick it up in the morning, but he, here's what he's saying. If you really want to be a disciple, it's not enough to give up. You got to take up. The commitment needs some consistency. 
Here's a question. What does your commitment consist of? The word consistence comes from the word consist. It means being made up of. What is your commitment made up of? We will never stay committed to and be consistent if our consistence isn't made up of a conviction from God. Is your consistence made up of dedication to God? If you, is your consistence made up from a conviction that has come from Christ? Is your is your consistence made up of anything that will allow you to stay committed? He says, Samson, it's not about the knots in your life. It's about the never in your life. Samson, if you do this, you'll be playing with your purpose. But instead of living consistent and completing his call, unfortunately, New Hope, it seems that the only thing Samson cares about is fulfilling the lust of his flesh. It's sad, but I'm going to read it to you anyway. Judges 14, 1 and 3. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women called his eye. His mother and father objected. Isn't there anyone in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry? They asked, why must you go to the pagan Philistine? Let, let me explain this because you may hear some people teach this and, and, and use it as a proof text for racism. This isn't a proof text for racism. It wasn't that he couldn't talk to anyone in his ethnicity. It was that he was not to talk to anyone who didn't have his belief system. It was, you shouldn't be unequally yoked, Sam. Samson. You shouldn't want to talk to anybody who's not walking with Christ, Samson. You, you shouldn't want to dedicate your life to anybody who's not dedicated to your God, Samson. There's plenty of women to choose from that go to New Hope. There's plenty of women to choose from. from he, 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 Samson, why you got to play with your purpose? Samson, you, you were called to delete the Philistines, not date them. Samson, what, what are you doing? Watch this. Samson's a bit arrogant. He told his father, get up for me. <laughs> I, I don't care how strong Samson was. If my son ever, if Jalen ever yell at me this. <laughs> I, I know y'all don't believe in spanking, but I couldn't talk to my parents th this way. I, I didn't get put in the corner. My, my, uh, if I ever raised my voice, I, I get beat up and then thrown in the corner. <laughs> Samson is yelling at his dad. She looks good. I want her now, dad. And, and I'm not asking. Judges 16.1, it gets worse. One day, Samson, Samson wilding out. Went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. Samson got to stay out of Vegas. <laughs> Judges 
Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the Valley of Sorek, another Philistine city. Samson keeps playing with his purpose. And if you play with purpose long enough, you'll find your Delilah. The Delilah is the sin that eventually takes you down. Oh, yeah. Play with sin long enough. You'll meet your Delilah. Arrogant folk think that they can always bounce back. Arrogant folk think that they can always make it home no matter how much they drink. Arrogant folk think that no, no, no matter what drugs they do, they, they, they can always get their mind back right. Arrogant folk think no matter how much I mess over my spouse, they gonna always stick around. But let me help you this morning. You play with purpose long enough and you will meet. Yo, Delilah, Delilah was bad. Delilah had a gift that, that if she would have used it for good, it could have worked out. Delilah in Hebrew actually means delicate. <laughs> this is so good. People have pictured Delilah and taught and preached Delilah as if she was a woman who was statuesque. That a woman that Samson would have only been attracted to because of some outward appearance. But nowhere in the text does it say anything about Delilah's looks, but it does say that she was delicate. Single ladies, raise your hand if you're single. Raise your hand. Come on, it's more than that. Single means you don't, you're not married. Now, I know you think you're not single because you got a boyfriend, but if you ain't, there you go. Yeah, that's better, that's better. Yeah. If you ain't married, you're single. Let me, let me help you. Hit me. <laughs> ladies, let me, let, me, let, me, let me give you a hint. Because movies and music have, have miscast men. You want, you want to know what men really want strong men like safety Delilah had a gift that she could make a strong man like Samson put his guard down Samson was a strong man lured in by Delilah's delicate nature Delilah knew how to smile Delilah knew how to play to Samson's ego. Delilah knew how, how to get Samson comfortable. Do you know the enemy is always delicate? The Bible says that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. 
Samson isn't walking around with a red jumpsuit and two horns. Samson, I'm sorry, Satan looks delicate. The Bible talks about sin and its fleeting pleasure. What that means is that Satan makes sin look good and then he turns it into garbage. He makes it pleasurable up front and then it gives you the pain. Satan will always entice you with what looks delicate, but let me help you. That thing that is delicate when given to you by Satan is always dangerous. His goal is to lure you in. His goal is to make you comfortable and complacent in sin. His goal is to get you to put your character down and begin to please your flesh. His goal is, is to show you what looks good up front and hide how it's going to hurt you in the long run. The devil is always portraying delicacies. Judges 16.5 says that the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong. And he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. You all remember that Jesus was betrayed by Judas for 30 pieces of silver. Judas was cheap. Judas was just looking for a couple extra dollars and he was good. No, Delilah was given 1,100 pieces of silver by each of them. And so Delilah begins to lure Samson in. Verse 18 and 20 of chapter 16 says, Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth. Samson played with Delilah the first couple times, but then he got so tired of Delilah nagging him that he just begins to pour out his heart. So she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally, everybody say finally, told me a secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with money in their hands. And Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. Satan wants you so comfortable in sin that you just fall asleep. Sleep represents a, 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 a time of rest. That's what Satan wants. He wants us comfortable and complacent in a season of sin. He wants us to be able to sleep in a sinful state. She called a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. This is so sad. In this way, she began to bring him down. I 
can hear the razors shaving off Samson's head. And as his hair begins to fall, so does his strength. As his hair begins to be shaved, so is his power. As, his, as he begins to do that which God demanded that he never do, he loses his power. He wakes up and realizes that he has had a haircut. And he says, I will do as before and shake myself free. And here's one of the saddest phrases in scripture. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Can we play with purpose to the point and degree that God is no longer with us? Oh, I know that's entering dangerous theological territory, but can we get to a point and place in our purpose where God is saying you will never, ever get to the point that I actually desired and designed for you to get to? I don't know if you remember David and David wanted to build the temple for God and God told David, David, your hands are too bloody. You will never build my temple that now you your son is going to have to do what I may have desired and designed for you to do. Let me help you. There can be some decisions that we make that can actually delete God's design and destiny for our life. We cannot keep playing with that which God said stay away from. We cannot keep dating that which God said you need to stay away from. We cannot keep watching that which God said you never need to allow through your eye gate. We can never keep going to the website that God says if you keep watching that your marriage will never get to the point and place that I've desired it to get to. We must understand that there was a place where we can't play with God. Why do we think when God warns us that he is required to restore what he said from the jump, don't you touch. Why do we take sin so comfortably? What Sin, if it was something that we, we, we should be desensitized to, Jesus would have never had to die the gory death that he did. I always ask myself, why did he have to die on a cross? Why couldn't it be something simple? And I believe it's because sin isn't simple. Sin is so gory. Sin is so nasty. Sin destroys so many lives. Sin takes so many people off their path to purpose. Sin ruins so many families. Sin, sin is so ugly that Christ had to die on a cross. And if Christ had to die on our cross, should we not be convicted with it? Samson was strong, but Samson was weak. 
this is why I tell young people all the time, all eyes on me, young people. It's not a, a, about how strong you are in your muscles, but how strong are you in your mind? Yeah, get your money, fill your bank account up, but please don't, don't put finances before your faith. Samson was strong in the physical, but he was weak in the spiritual. And it's not your physical strength that allows you to achieve God's purpose, but it's your spiritual strength. It's your dedication to your destiny. It's your focus on your faith. It's when you have said to yourself that I am not allowing anything to get in the way of what God has designed me to do. Samson may have had big muscles, but he had a little mind. Samson may have had big muscles, but Samson was easy to manipulate. And Judges 16 through 28 through 30 says, Then Samson prayed to the Lord after he was captured, they gouged his eyes out. Because once the enemy takes your strength, the enemy wants your vision. And now he's a slave to the Philistines. The Philistines are a type and shadow of sin as Israel is, is a type and shadow of the New Testament church. The Old Testament is the New Testament revealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament concealed. And so Israel is God's people, the, 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 the church of the New Testament. And the Philistines is the sin that God desired and designed Samson to rule. But because he played with his purpose, that Philistine, a.k.a. sin, is now controlling him when he had the power to rule it. So now he's a slave to sin and he's praying to God. If you read Judges 14, 15, and 16 that tell Samson's story, you will never see him pray until now. Could it be that Samson did not have the prayer life that he needed that gave him the power to live out God's plan and purpose for his life? Here's a, a, a little tip. It's free. Don't wait until you fall to get a prayer life. He's praised. Sovereign Lord. Isn't it amazing how we get spiritual when we're in trouble? <laughs> Remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he did during his lifetime. 
I've actually heard some preachers try to teach this as if it was some triumphal ending. That's garbage. Because I don't want to have to die with my enemies. I don't want to kill more of my enemies in my death than I could have during my entire life. He wasted his entire life, so he did more in, in, in 30 seconds than he did maybe in 30 years. That's backwards. I, I, I don't want to end my life in purpose. I want to live my life in purpose. This was not a victory for Samson family. Yes, God showed up one last time, but he was supposed to deliver the people from Philistine bondage. And he died in the middle of his purpose versus dying with a completed purpose. Watch this. After Judges comes Ruth, and after Ruth comes 1st and 2nd Samuel. 1st Samuel 7:13 reads like this. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel, and the hand of the Lord was against who? Against who? All the days of who? Okay, y'all paying attention. Let's go back to Judges 13.5. Judges 13.5 says, he will, don't miss this word, it's key, begin. Don't have God call someone else to do what you were created to complete. Samuel is the one that finally subdued the Philistines. That's why it says in Judges that Samson would only begin. But Samson was called to be a deliverer. But he couldn't get to, to the point the way he could truly be a deliverer because he would not dominate his flesh. He let his flesh dominate him. I have a question for you this morning. What is dominating you that could keep you from fully fulfilling what God has called and created you to do? I don't know about you, but I'm not trying to get to 25% of my purpose. I don't know about you, but I'm not trying to get to 50% of my calling. I don't know about you, but I'm not trying to get to 75% complete of what God has called me to do. I don't want God given my purpose to another person because I wasn't diligent enough to do it. I don't want God giving his plan for me to another man because I wasn't disciplined enough to do it. Am I the only one that wants to do what God called and created him to do? Am I, is there anybody that wants to live out God's plan and purpose? I love you. But I don't want to see you in worship thanking God for something that he gave you from me. I don't want to see another man raising my kids. 
I don't want to see another pastor a chosen church if that's my calling. You shouldn't want to see somebody else doing what God destined for you to do. And we love Ephesians 3.20. And my pastor reminded me this week that, that we don't teach the, the entirety of that text. We, we, we stop at the shouting part. God will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or. But that part is contingent on the next part. He says, I will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think according to the power that is at work within you. Oh, let me try this side. I will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think according to the power that is at work within you. You don't get to the exceedingly abundantly above until you get to the according to the power. You get what God has for your life when you begin to allow his power to be at work within you. When, when we allow his power to move, we begin living in purpose. When we allow his power to move, we begin maximizing our potential. When we allow his power to move, we begin dominating the flesh. You don't get to exceedingly, abundantly above until God begins working accordingly. God has a plan for you. But to live out that plan, you have to be more passionate about the purpose than you are pleasing your flesh. If you want to accomplish anything in life, you have to be more passionate about losing the weight than you are eating the ice cream. You have to be more passionate about saving your money if you want to stack up than you are spending the money. Too many of us say that we want to achieve something, but the truth is we really don't desire the purpose more than we are willing to endure the pain. It's not about commitment. It's about consistency. It's not about not, it's about never. We only complete our calling when we understand the never. We only complete our calling when we are fully committed and consistent at what God has called and created us to do I want to do a special prayer for those of us who are tired of playing with purpose I'm going to ask you to be bold in this moment but I believe there's two or three of us at least that are ready to do what God has designed us to do.
And I'm going to ask for you to come forward so that I can pray for a supernatural strength to help you to overcome the battle you are fighting in your flesh. Yeah, come on. Let's get this done. Because God has a plan for your life. And we won't get that plan playing around. We won't live that purpose out until we're willing to allow God's power to work accordingly. And the good news is when he starts to work accordingly, you will start to see the exceedingly. Oh, that's so good. God wants to promote you. God wants you to fulfill his purpose. After all, he's the one that gave it to you. What parent doesn't want their child to fulfill exceedingly, abundantly above? But that child has to walk within the boundaries of the plan because it's the boundaries that bring the blessings. It was the no that brought the yes. It was the never cut your hair that would keep him on the path to purpose. Don't look at God as if he's angry. Don't look at God as if he's no fun. No, the fun is in the boundaries. It's the blessing that, that you get when you live in the boundaries. When, when, when we live in those boundaries, the blessings of God begin to overflow. Don't let your flesh convince you that there's something worth doing outside of those boundaries. It ain't worth it. There's no pleasure that will please you more than living out God's plan and purpose. What I love about God is that his pleasures aren't fleeting. The devil's pleasures are fleeting. He gives you short-term pleasure for long-term pain. God gives you short-term pain for long-term pleasures. God, you see your children. And they made the bold move to step forward. So I want you to meet them here. That your will may be done in their life as it is in heaven. God, we want to add consistence to our commitment. We don't want to be dieting Christians. We want to be lifestyle changed Christians. We don't want to be people who put stuff to the side for the moment. We want to be people who, who can say, I will never do that. Which will delete my destiny. So I pray that you will speak to every person in a special way as they have stepped forward that you will fill out their never list and that you will give them the strength to walk accordingly that they may be reminded always that the blessings are within the boundaries that God exists in the midst of those guardrails so may they embrace the, the, the pain so that they can get to the purpose. May they embrace the cross and never put it down, remembering that you gave your life so they could live theirs. Oh, 
Father, we want to maximize our potential. We don't want to be Samson that died doing what he was called to do. And that be and 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 and, and that be the end. Obviously, we want to live our life fully in purpose, but we don't want the only moment that we do what you really called us to do to, to happen at the end. We want it now. We want the peace now. We want the success now. We want the healthy family now. We want to complete our calling. Will you strengthen us to do that? Father, I ask that you move in a tangible way so that when people walk out of here, they will know that they had a real encounter with a real God. Father, I want to pray that every person underneath the sound of my voice, in person and online, gets to the exceedingly abundantly above. I want to pray that we're excited about your power and that we do our part to access it. Get our prayer lives back on track. May we not start our prayer life just when we get in trouble. Get, get our worship life back on track. May, may we be more consistent in what we do corporately. Get our service life back on track that we may, we may get out that selfish mode and be able to give what you've given to us to others. Father, because it's an amalgamation of those things that really get us to the place where we can live out our purpose. God, I pray that I'm preaching to a people who will complete their calling. So Father, we thank you now. Trusting in you. Oh yeah, there'll be temptations probably as soon as they walk out. But I pray that they'll remember it's not about not, it's about never. I pray that still small voice will speak to them to say, no, this isn't it. It's not worth it. Choose purpose over pleasure. And I pray that you will remind them who they are and that you have a purpose and plan for their life. May we believe it now, and that's in Jesus' name, amen.